0: Hey guys, how's it going? It's nice to see you again on this amazing Saturday. I'm so excited to be able to hang out with you. Um, if you're joining us on YouTube, hey, what's going on people on YouTube? Appreciate you guys. Comment down below in the comment section on YouTube right now. The number seven, if you hear this, I would love, love, to love. And if you're in the chat right now. Spam sevens if you're here today, if you're excited for service, you're excited for God to continue to do a great work in your life because I know he's constantly doing a great work in my life. And so go ahead and spam that right now. I want to see sevens, sevens. All right, perfect, 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 perfect. Today's message is an interesting one, you know, and I'll share this a little bit in prayer before we got into service today. I have never, ever in my life, And I have been preaching since I was 16 years old. So what is that? Oh man, too many years to count. I'm 33 now. Someone do the math. I'm not a mathematician. I'm a pastor. Okay, so however many years that is. I've been preaching for that long. And I have never, ever preached on this set of verses in my entire life. In my entire life, I don't even know if I've ever heard them preached. Which is an interesting thought. So when I stumbled on Luke 11, 29 through 32, I started to ask the Lord, like, what is it that you're speaking here? What are you trying to say to your people? What is it that you want to communicate to God Squad Church today? What is it that you want to tell that person that's been searching for you? What is it that you want to awaken in that man or woman's heart that's going to change their life forever? I don't get up to preach just to tell you some nice words to make you feel good about yourself. I don't get up to preach to condemn you or hurt your feelings. I simply get up to preach because I want Jesus to do the work that only he can do through his words. And so my hope and my desire today is that you would understand what he is speaking to you and into your heart. And you would ask the Lord to move and speak to you today. I don't know about you, but I personally get distracted in certain video games. All right, every video game, I have ADHD, so I'm distracted all the time. But I think you can relate when you can say that you've been distracted by the side quests in a game before. You've been distracted that a 20 hour game ends up taking maybe someone like me and you 178 hours to complete. Maybe you're like me, and in you know, <laughs> maybe you're like me in, in Oblivion or Morrowind, better yet, where you used to collect items and set them up in houses and just keep them there because it was cool. And, like, I mean, every little thing you had to discover, you know, what I'm missing in a lot of video games. I'll check every nook and crane. I mean, I'll check full rooms. I'll check under things like that is how I play video games. I check everything. They don't reward you enough for being the person that's willing to go like the mile into the woods and look behind the bush. I'm just saying, they don't reward you enough. But I think we can all say that we get distracted by the side quest sometimes. And for me, that's an ADHD kid's nightmare. Like, if you've ever played World of Warcraft before, and you enter a city, and all of the gold exclamation marks pop up, which is telling you to go to collect these quests, most of them literally are garbage. They're not even worth your time. But guess what I'm doing? I'm walking up to to Miss Susie to go help her find her cat for 20 XP. You know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. MMOs are the worst. They're the absolute worst for distracting you off of the main quest. But I'm that guy, I see all those exclamation points and I go into like Pokemon mode. I, I, I got to collect them all. <laughs> but then I'm like looking at my quest log and I'm like, which which one do I do first? Like what do I, and then I'm pulled in a million directions and I'm all over the place. And I'm going from city to city and back to, and it's just in shambles because I've missed the purpose of my mission, right? Like, I mean, when we're playing games like MMOs, they have you on some epic quest. Like, you have to defeat this dragon, shout out nixia or you have to like, you know, you have to defeat this big bad, like Ganondorf. And we're sitting there and like <laughs> the farmer comes up to you like, man, I'm missing my gold watch. And you're like, Oh, I'll help you find it. Like, what are you doing? We're on a quest that matters. Like we're gonna save the world. And then you see us like rummaging through the farmer's fields for, you know, Betsy's bell for his cow. I I, I don't know. So why do we get distracted? What is it that takes us away from that main mission? Why, why is that so present in us? My hope for today's message is that you would learn to abandon the side quests for the main mission. And I'm not talking about video games. That you would drop the things that have been pulling your attention for the things that really matter that you wouldn't miss God in the midst of a distraction filled life. Because often what we're doing is we're trading the temporary, we're trading the eternal for the temporary. We're exchanging the eternal value for temporary value. And that happens often in our lives as we walk through them, specifically in our relationship with God. I think we can all relate when we've been searching for the NPC and we couldn't find him. Right? Like we're looking for the specific character or we're looking for the specific thing, and we've gone by it a million times and we just can't find it. Like I know I'm supposed to be in this field at these coordinates, and for some reason, I'm I, I just can't figure out where I'm supposed to be. Like, why can't I find this little kid that's supposed to be fishing? Why can't I find this wolf rare spawn? Like, why can't I find it? You know what changed the game for me? I played World of Warcraft since the beginning. I went from EverQuest to World of Warcraft. What changed World of Warcraft for me for me was an add-on called Quest Helper. Quest helper literally dropped into the game and changed my life. Because it started to allow me to have like real, real focus into what I should have been doing and like exactly where I should go. I would spend hours sometimes searching for things that were so easy to be found if I just knew exactly the location of them. And then randomly you're about to give up but searching for this pile of bones for a half an hour. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I'm going to have to move on to the next quest. I'm about to abandon this quest. And then it would just like randomly you'd walk by and it's like there. And you're like, oh. quest helper kind of eliminated all of that. But see, the, the problem is is we often miss what's right in front of us. We do. Like we, we miss. Like you guys have obviously been in situations where you've had your keys in your hand. Or you've had a hat on your head. And you're like, yo, where is that? Where is that thing? Where am I? And like, you like, look at your hand, you're like, I hope no one heard me. I hope no one sees this. You've been in those situations where you've missed the thing that's right in front of your face. My daughter, my family was over at my, my mom and dad's house. My, my, my daughters and my wife and we were sitting there and my brother started playing with my my youngest oakland and you know my daughter oakland's a savage through and through she is a she is a a mini viking that's the best way for me to put it that's who she is she's a mini viking and uh she is ruthless and, <laughs> and if she was ever your king she rules with a an iron fist okay so she kind of dictates what goes on, you know what I mean? Often she does. She she's a little tyrant, but she's also lovable and kind and sweet. But she's a tyrant, anyway. So my brother is getting bossed around basically by her, and she's uh, like it, it, when I mean she's ruthless and savage. Like she's five years old and she'll sit still for forty five minutes underneath a bed, and like won't make a sound. Okay, that's like my daughter Oakland. She like she wants to win. She is a winner through and through. She cannot understand not winning. It doesn't make sense in her head. OK, she literally one time went into a toy chest and just sat there for like an hour straight to win hide and go seek. So they're playing hide and go seek anyway. And you have to understand Oakland's mentalities like I'm not going to lose. My brother Ben is carefree. He's an awesome, awesome, awesome driven kid. And he's searching for my daughter, Oakland. They're playing hide and seek. Eventually he finds her after you know a while. And so it's her turn. So she's sitting there counting 1, 7, 19, 25, 13, like, <laughs> and my brother hides and she like immediately finds him. Basically, she's like, that's too easy. Let's, let's do it again. And I tell my brother, Ben, I say, watch this, Ben, come sit right by me. And so she's counting in the other room and me, my dad, my mom, my wife are sitting at the table. And my brother ben just sits right next to me at the dining room table oakland goes all right ready or not here i come she's looking around searching around passes by the table once looking around oakland did you try over here no she's searching 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 all the meanwhile my brother who she's looking for is sitting right next to me he's not hiding he's not crouching down he's just sitting there at the table And she searches and searches and searches. And eventually, like, we get her attention enough. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, Ben, can you pass me that? And she looks up and she goes, <laughs> I found you. And there was a reason I had him just sit there. I had him sit there because often we miss the things that are in plain sight we figure that there's no possible way that it can be this easy. And we almost psychologically block that possibility out of our minds because we're looking for something that has to be deeper and it has to be harder than that. Like like this, this, this can't be this easy. And I think that translates to our faith. I think sometimes we put the difficulty, we up the difficulty level in our relationship with God. When often he's just sitting at the table, laughing and waiting, for us to just realize that he's always been there. Luke 11, 29 through 32. Let's dive in. Verse 29 says, and as the, as the crowds were increasing, he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the son of man will be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, Something greater than Jonah is here. Luke eleven twenty nine 29 through 32. This is a cryptic, cryptic scripture if it's just read in this context. If you have no context about the historical background or the other biblical literacy that's around this, like I'm like, what? The queen of the North? Like, what are we talking about? Are we trapped in some kind of like Chronicles of Narnia? Like, what do we mean? what are we talking about? Like, who's this Jonah character? Who is he? Who's the Nineveh? Like, you might not understand unless you have a historical understanding or an Old Testament understanding of what's being said here. And so I want to take a minute for those that might not know or might need a refresher. And I want to talk a little bit about Jonah. It's important to understand what God is comparing this greater thing to when he talks about someone like Jonah in Nineveh, he talks about the queen of the south. Like, What are they talking about? In Jonah 1, 1 through 3, it says it this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Say Tarshish three times fast. (laughs) I know I could. Are you with me right now? If you're with me still, I want you to put I'm here in the chat right now. If you're here with me, are we following along? Jonah flees from the presence of the Lord because he's told to go basically preach to the Ninevites. Let's move on. Jonah 1, 15 through 17. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him to the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were ceased by the great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made their vows. The Lord Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, how did we jump from there to there? Jonah gets called to go preach to the Ninevites to the city of Nineveh he says "Nah, God I'm out he goes to peace out he jumps on a ship he's running for his life man this guy's on the move all right he's taking boat like fastest travel in the day like he is out God says okay what do you mean? you don't run from me all right we don't play those games causes this crazy, crazy storm to happen. Basically everybody on the ship starts freaking out, praying to their different gods. Nothing's working. And they're going, yo, you're the last one left. He's sleeping behind underneath the boat, like sound asleep. They're like, yo, bro, you got to wake up. We're about to die. You better call upon whoever God you know. And so he's like, just throw me over. It's me. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Please God, Jonah's God, stop doing this. Stop doing this. And he's like, no, like really, you're going to have to just toss me. (laughs) And they're like, They tried as hard as they could to paddle back to shore and it wasn't working. The storms raged on. So they eat Jonah out of the boat. Jonah gets swallowed by the belly of the fish. He's in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. Then comes on the next part. Jonah 3, 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up! Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city. A three-day walk. That does not mean a three-day walk to the city. That means to go around the city, in the city, it would be a three-day walk. These are guys that are used to walking, okay? It's not like me. You asked me to go downstairs, man, the three-day walk might be to my trash can. I'm just saying that's not the same for Jonah. He would have easily been used to walking great distances. A three-day walk is an incredible amount of mileage. I can not give you an exact number, but I'm sure it is more miles than me and you probably walk in a week. So he's he has to walk this, this great city. It's a three-day walk. Jonah said it on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh, Believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal herd, or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may return and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish god saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways so god relented the disaster he had threatened them with and he did not do it some heavy stuff happening here guys there's some heavy stuff to understand the context of why would jonah Run away, knowing you heard from the Lord. You have to understand the people he was going to. This is modern day Assyria. The Ninevites and the people of Nineveh were ruthless. They were barbaric. They were twisted. Some of the most outside of the Bible scholars and historians talk about the Uh, Talk about the Assyrians and the people of Nineveh as sadistic, out of control, lusting after evil. That's just a few ways to describe these people and to give you a really graphic understanding. These are the people that would skin people alive and write hate notes on their skin and then mask them on the walls so that their enemies would fear them. Jonah probably has some things invested here. This isn't just a friendly neighborhood thing where, oh, I'm just going to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was an enemy to Israel. More so, Nineveh was probably an enemy to Jonah. He had probably lost friends, possibly family. To these evil acts of these people. And I think Jonah understood that the Lord had forgiveness for them and wanted forgiveness for them and that they would repent. And that's why Jonah gets mad in those following chapters. And he gets frustrated with God because God is merciful. And often in our own selves, we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to release our anger. And let go of it. We don't want to forgive. Because. It's hard. It's hard to release that anger you have towards that person. It it feels near impossible to forgive that person from that that thing they did to you. And Jonah was mad because God had been a merciful God to them. When he felt like they didn't deserve it. So that's a little bit of the backstory of Jonah and, and the people he was dealing with. People that would sacrifice, you know, an insane amount of animals, children like, there is so much, so much rich atrocity that would happen in this city. And God was willing to forgive them. So, you look at this place, this evil, evil place. And you see that Jonah goes and preaches and they're willing to turn from their wicked ways. Remember that. Keep that in the back of your head. It's important as we go through this today. If you go back to Luke 11, 29, it says this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign. Jesus said to this huge crowd, he said, rebuking their inclination and their values that they place in signs. Jesus just mentioned the blessedness of being one who heard and did God's word. The contrast is the one who seeks a sign. If you hear God's word, you are blessed by it. But often as humans, we want more, we want more. We're not okay until we see it. But the truth is, is even then we're dissatisfied. You know, that's that's literally my ADHD mind. Ooh, shiny, ooh, exclamation part on the map. Ooh, run to that guy. Oh, go to this quest. Like. That's exactly what it is. Show me more. Let me, Ew, it's so shiny. I, you know, it's like Abu and Aladdin. You know, it reminds me of Abu when he finds a treasure. He's just like, and his eyes get huge. That's us. We so bad want signs. We want to be distracted by things that aren't the main purpose, that aren't the main point. We lose ourselves in wanting things like God's power rather than his presence. Oh, God, if you just do this, then I'll... We have greedy little paws that are always searching for more. God, we need more, we need more, we need more. And we can never be content with what we have. And we gloss over, we look over it, we forget to be grateful for what we have because we're looking past it, right? My daughter Oakland was looking past my brother. She couldn't see that the prize was right there. She couldn't see that the prize was right in front of her. The win was right in front of her, and we end up in the same mindset. We miss the important for the frivolous, we miss the purpose. According to Barclay, about 15 years. After Jesus' time on Earth, this is also recorded in Acts. There's a little bit of discrepancy between this 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 story, because they're not sure if there was two people named uh, Theodus or if there was, you know, if this is the same guy. One of them is recorded by Josephus, and then one of them is recorded in Acts. My guess is that Josephus probably got his history a little his uh his timeline a little wrong, but either way. So this is recorded outside of the Bible, and it's also recorded inside the Bible. And this is a story. About 15 years after Jesus' time on earth, a man named Theodos um, arose among the Jews and claimed to be the Messiah. He persuaded people to follow him with the promise that he could part the Jordan River in two. Gathered a bunch of people, said, I'm the Messiah. You're wrong about Jesus. Follow me. Watch what happens brings everybody down to the river and fails horrifically. He tried, he failed. And then the Romans already knew what he was doing and were there, they grabbed him and they beheaded him. The thing about Theodos is he understood what people wanted to see the wicked heart craves signs and wonders. Jesus told us that hearing and keeping the word are more important than the signs. If you see a million signs in your life and they don't add up with your biblical understanding and the gospel truth, then they're leading you far away from him. Signs in the Bible, miracles in the Bible are used to show God's glory. They're not used to prove your faith right. They're used to shine a beautiful light upon the masterpiece that is your creator. They're not for you to consume to hope that it can get you through your next day. Faith is deeper than that. It's hope for the things unseen. Theodos is a perfect example of understanding what everybody wanted. Tickling the ears, they like to call in the Bible, right? Telling them the right thing so that they want to follow after you. That's what we're searching for often. We trade in the power of God. We trade in the power of God for, we trade in the presence of God for his power. We miss it. It's never our job to seek for God's power, it's to seek for his presence seek for his presence and all else will be added to it. Seek for his presence. It's interesting because in Jesus's life, like ironically, like compared to Theodos, Jesus had given many remarkable signs, many, countless, to be honest, like, like so many but they were never the kind that they wanted to see. The Jews were hoping and wishing to see a Messiah that was willing to lead this military resistance to free them from the capture of Rome's grasps. They were looking for political independence for the Jewish people from the occupying Romans and they didn't get that in Jesus. And because they were looking over what they had right in front of them. They were looking past the win. They were looking past the one that matters most. Cuz they were looking at the side quests. Jesus condemned them seeking after a sign, especially when countless signs had already happened before their eyes. It's easy to overestimate the power of miraculous signs to change the hearts of doubters and skeptics. You guys have read the Bible, some of you here. And if you haven't, I would implore you to. Jesus performed signs all of the time, performed miracles all of the time. And yet there was still, even the people that would witness these signs and miracles, they would still not believe he was who he said he was. We overestimate this idea that maybe if this comes true, maybe if this sign happens in my life, then I will X, Y, Z. Then my mom will, then my brother will, then my... That's not how it works. We overestimate that these miracles are going to do something to change our perspective. That's why faith matters. You can correlate this to the idea of internet drama, right? Like there's some creators who no matter what they do, Mr. Beast is in this uh, this uh, problem right now, right? Like no matter how transparent they are, no matter how much they show, like people will still be like, that's fake, not real. Didn't happen. Like it could be right before their eyes. They could be standing in the room and just be like some kind of trick. There will always be those that doubt. There will always be skeptics. Are you chasing after God's power to believe, or are you chasing after His presence to believe? Chase after Him, a relationship. A dynamic, beautiful, beautiful friendship. Rather than chasing after the signs, miracles, and wonders. They're beautiful. They're amazing. But they aren't the purpose. Continuing on in the verse, it says, It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus told us that Jonah became a sign and that Jesus would be a similar sign to his generation, a greater sign. Jonah gave his life to appease the wrath of God coming upon others. But, but death did not hold him, right? When he got tossed into the water, Jonah's hope was, hey, I'm going to die, but at least these guys are saved. But, but watch well, the correlation. But death did not hold him. And after three days and three nights in imprisonment, he was alive and free. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus at his death on the cross. He was buried for three days and three nights and then was freed. He was a greater understanding of Jonah. Jonah was a foreshadowing for the truth that was Jesus. This is the sign that Jesus promised. Jesus is that sign. He is the sign. Nothing that he does is the sign. It is the fact that he was present, that he did what he said he would do, that he would become down to the earth to bridge the gap between humanity and God and be the reconciliation that we needed in order to have a great relationship with the Lord. To make up For the things that created the chasm between us, which is sin. That he would die the death he had to die on the cross so that he could remove that barrier. So that he could be the reconciliation. So that we could become one with God. That we could have a flourishing relationship. Jesus himself is the sign. We're to believe in him, not the sign. He's right in front of you. Believe in him, not the sign. Moving on in the verse, it says, the queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. Queen of the South, man, this one threw me off. I couldn't remember this story for the life of me. I was so confused. I was like, who's the queen of the south, man? Who are we talking about? So, you know, I had to get into my I had to crack my knuckles a little bit and be like, huh, okay, look, let's get into this Bible. Start cracking open the scriptures. You know what I mean? I started getting into some some deep, deep study, you know, <laughs> something like wizard in a tower, like opening up all the <laughs> all the books. But I, I did, man. I had to, I had to like really like drill down because I, I couldn't remember what this was talking about. The queen of the south came to Solomon in 1 Kings 10. When she saw the great works that God did for and through Solomon, she praised the God of Israel. She didn't say, show me more and maybe I'll believe. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. That even her... Who had all of this sin. Who was still lost. That she could look and see what Solomon was saying and realize. Oh. What this scripture is showing is that these people were more lost than this girl. They were more lost than this person because she didn't even ask to show, to ask to be seen anything. She just had to hear and believed. The Queen of the South came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She sought after God's word with a tenacity that should shame us. The people who asked Jesus for a sign saw his work right there in their own neighborhood and didn't believe. She was willing to travel the world to have a better understanding. Often we won't even take the time to go from sitting in our chair to time on our knees with God. We won't even take the three clicks to exit out the windows and maybe put on some music so we can sit here and pray. That's the generation they're referring to and i would say even more so through the thousands of years that we might be farther away than even what jesus is talking about in this scripture the point is clear the queen of the south and the men of nineveh were were both gentiles but they had a more open heart to the things of god than the religious people of Jesus' day who would not believe and receive the work of God right before their eyes. I think we sit there sometimes, Christian, and we're skeptical about what the Lord is doing. We're skeptical to allow him to do what is right and just through us. And I think sometimes we sit there and envy. We envy that new Christian who comes in and their heart isn't bitter. They haven't filled themselves up with so much knowledge that they've missed the point and the purpose. There's people here right now They need to repent. They need to repent from missing Jesus in their religion. Because you stopped pursuing after God and you started pursuing after being a Christian. You gave up Christ for Christianity. Where's your heart at? Where is your heart at? What sign are you waiting for? I'm talking to every person in this place that might never have known who Jesus was before today. Where is your heart at? What sign are you waiting for? Because the sign you may be looking for is right in front of you. It's right in front of you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The irony is biting. The Ninevites and the queen of Sheba accepted the messengers of God, but Jesus' audience rejected God himself. So much so they were willing to crucify him on a cross. Something greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was the son of David. If you understood what that meant in the Jewish line to be from the, from the line of David was an incredible honor. That's why it's so great when Jesus is called the son of David and Jesus was a greater son of David than Solomon could ever be. he was a greater sign. He was a greater presence. He was God on earth and yet was rejected. When people of lesser had gotten far more with far wicked people. Jesus repeatedly brings the focus back upon himself. He was greater than all the previous prophets because he wasn't just simply a prophet. He should become the focus of faith and the trust for his people. His greater light brought an accountability to hearers that no message before had. It stopped looking at the outer aspects of life and started making you look inside of who you were as a person and what your intentions were. He should be the focus. Why do we always want to add to him? Why do we always want to say Jesus and? God and this. God and... Well, I can accept you if you believe in Jesus and it's all about him. He is the focus. He is the purpose of the message. He is the word of God. Often our prayers are like, Lord, if you'll do this. God, if you do this today, I swear to you, I will. He is enough. He is sufficient. So the question is, when will God be enough for you? When will he be enough for you? Don't sacrifice the main mission for the side quests. Don't sacrifice the win for the distractions. Don't sacrifice your relationship with God for the finite of this world. You could fill your whole quest log with side quests, but it'll never be enough to win. Forsaking God for something inferior will never pay off. And I think sometimes we think it does pay off because it gives us a jolt of joy maybe in the moment, right? Completing one of those side quests, man, feels good because it gives us the ding and shows the XP bar and maybe we got, you know, a uh, water skin from it or something. And we're like, oh, that was cool. It's like a dopamine shot. But if you're sacrificing the greater storyline for that quick fix, you've missed it, and that's what we do in our relationship with God. Oh, Jesus! It felt really good though to to own that guy in that argument, man. Felt really good to tell him what I believe. Man, it felt so good to have those Twitter fingers. I told that Christian exactly how it is. God, it felt so good to be in that chat and tell that person they're lost and they're stupid and they can't find the truth. Like, you've missed it. You've missed it. Don't forsake. God for the side quests. Grow deeper in a relationship with him. Find him. Hold on to him. Be present with him. Allow him to speak and transform your heart. Someone was yelling at me the other day. I Don't say this to like... I hate saying things like this because then I feel like they get taken out of context, but... I don't say this to puff myself up. But someone was yelling at me the other day. And I responded in a very quiet, controlled manner. That person later messaged me and they go, like, I attacked you pretty hard. Like, I'm surprised, you know, you weren't more prideful or something like that. And my response was simply this. How could I at all? How could you affect my pride? How could you hurt my pride if I've already killed it in the morning? How could you affect my pride if I've already killed it in the morning? And what I meant by that is When I've spent time with God in the morning, already with surrender in my heart, with gratitude for Him, I've already began to do work that is far greater than anyone can do to affect me in this world. That's what this is about. If you could just learn how to not get distracted. If you could learn not to trade that, that infinite important time with Jesus. If you could learn how to not trade that for something that's going to give you the quick pat on the back, good feeling or man, but I have to do this. There's nothing more important than your relationship with him. There's nothing more important. And I promise you that. Jesus, you are so good. We are so lost without you, God. Father, we are so lost without you, Jesus. I pray two things today. That those that are seeking you, that are looking and searching for an answer, that they would find you today, in this moment, right now. That they would begin to take steps to discover who you are in a deeper way. And God, I pray for those that call you their king pray for those that have been distracted by the side quests. I pray, Lord, that you would move in them. That you would help them to find you. That they would get back on track. That they would kill off the things that make them lose you. Jesus, help us to be greater followers, which means taking time to follow you. Lord, you are good. You are merciful. You are beautiful in all of your ways. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your mercy or your grace. And yet you still provide them, shower us with them. It's unbelievable. I'm thankful for your presence, thankful for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Church, I love you. And if no one's told you they love you today, I love you my whole heart. I'll see you soon. God bless. Take
1: care. Amen. Amen. Some amens in the chat, guys. Nothing in this world, nothing even comes close, right? Nothing compares to knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. What Pastor Daylight said there, he he said there's nothing more important than your relationship with Christ. I'm telling you, there is nothing more important than that. Anything in this world, nothing that we can be given, nothing that we can obtain in this world, comes even close to knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we got amens in the chat, guys. What a powerful power. I don't know. You you, you can't be the same after a message like that. Honestly, let God's word go deep because there's so much that God has for you. He wants to bring you into that relationship with Him, into a close relationship with Him. And it was just it was just a blessing to see today. So let's see all the amens, River Struzzi. Amen, amen. Guys, <laughs> yeah, a blessing, amen. So once again, if you're first time here, we'd love to connect with you. You can type estimation point connect in chat. Fill that format with as much information as you feel comfortable. You know, maybe you're wondering, what are the next steps now? You know, maybe maybe it's your first time here and you've, you you want to come to know this Jesus that we talk about. And I'll tell you, God has so much for you. He really does. He has a plan mm-hmm. to prosper you. You know, you might feel like, man, there's nothing happening in my life. Let me tell you, God has so much for you. He has a purpose, a plan, a destiny for you. And it all starts with coming to the knowledge of knowing him. If Pastor TJ was sharing there, area, you know, to understanding, man, who Jesus is, really who he is and what he has for you. And once you understand that, you understand, man, there's so much more to, to, to this life. There's so much more that God has for me in this life. So I hope you can connect with you. I hope you, can, um, you know, if you need prayer, jump in the Discord and we'd love to pray for you. Also, I want to make mention, anybody here, you know, if you're first time here, we want everything for you. We want, we're not looking for anything from you, but if you're called God Squad um, Church, your church, we love. Um, uh, we want to just continue to thank you for your generosity. and We want to invite you to worship with us. In Proverbs 11, 25, it says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I want to encourage you, if you call God Squad Church, your church continue to refresh others continue to pour in and many times that looks like our with our finances god always only 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 place you'll find it in the bible where god says test me he says test me in the in the the department of finances and i want to encourage you as you continue to refresh you refresh so many you see here we're we're on all the platforms not just on twitching but we're on youtube we're on kick we're on facebook we're on all the platforms why? Because we wanna to continue to refresh others and it's because of your giving that we're able to do this because you're sowing a seed. You're saying, you know what? I wanna see more people come to, to to the living water of Christ to understand who he is. And as you continue to give, I wanna encourage you, you know, it refreshes others. And God, he pours out his blessings upon us as we continue to step out in faith and trust him with our finances. And that's you today. You say, I wanna give. There's a couple safe and secure ways you can give by typing "sh Point, give in chat. Um, you can give um, also if you're um, on our on whatever platform you're on. Uh, there's there's panels below, or you can click that link there. There's panels below too here on Twitch and I believe on Kick. You can check it out. There's panels below. You can click and give through there. If you reside in the USA, um, you can text any amount to eight four three two one. And also I went backwards there. You can go to our website godsquatchurch.com, and give through there. I want to continue to thank you for your generosity for your giving. For continue to refresh others you know it's like living water we're bringing living water we're, we're bringing that fresh living water to people it's refreshing once you come to the, under, the realization of who christ is but what he's done for you it's that that breath of fresh air and we're able to do that all because of your generosity i want to thank you so much for being generous and trusting the lord with your finances and i'll tell you right now he's going to give back to you press down shaking together and overflowing he's done it in my life time and time again he is faithful so i want to encourage you.